Blog Talk Radio. It's time for the Hadit.com Radio Show. Hadit.com Radio is an in-depth look at all things VA. If you need help with the VA, log on to Hadit.com. Now, here's your host, Gerald Cook. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, on this second day, April 2019. We're here with our co-host, Jay Basser, and our guest speaker today is uh, Mr. John Dorley, a certified claims agent, and uh, if you have any questions or comments, please feel free to call in or call-in number is 347-237-4819. That number, once again, is 347-237-4819. So if you have a question or comment, uh, feel free to call in. I would be glad to hear from you. Uh, if you don't, uh, just sit there with your pen and paper and and uh, jot down some notes. It might come in handy. Oh, and don't forget these uh, broadcasts are in archives, and uh, we try to keep them there. To, uh, you can use them as a reference. Uh, John, uh, how are you doing today? Good, good, Gerald. Thanks for having me on again. It's always nice to get on the Hattit.com radio show and, and and try to try to help out veterans who, who who need assistance with their VA claims and appeals. So, um, you know, things are good up here in Minnesota. We're we're staying real busy uh, working claims and and uh, this new this new uh, appeals program that the VA has instituted is is taking shape and rounding into the form that I think everyone is looking for. It's, it's not a perfect system, but uh, uh, I'm confident it's routing into form, and I'm having a lot of success with some of these some of these claims that I've been putting through under this uh, program they call the AMA, the Appeals Modernization Act, which which formally took the full effect February 19th of 2019. Um, so, so yeah, Gerald, just like you said, if there's anyone out there listening that want to call in for specific questions or concerns about their claims, be more than happy to to take those calls. Well, yes, uh, uh, you know, we try to head on, you know, highlight the the most important things we can and something that would be beneficial. Uh, the main thing is uh, to help veterans keep from making some of the mistakes we did, we made when we started in the claims process. And uh, it, it seems to have got more complex and if you're not real savvy to all this stuff, it can it can be really uh, stressful on you, uh, not knowing how to properly do things. And you never know it all, so it, uh, don't be too proud to ask for some help. By golly, it uh, that's that's what we're here for. Well, and you're right, Gerald, and, and I think throughout the years, the VA has always been a very complicated bureaucratic process, and, and certainly with the advent of this new appeals appeals program, um, I think any time you completely overhaul a system and institute a new program, you're going to have some growing pains, and, and it does add to the complexity of, of the appeals, but, but I think overall, uh, it, it's going to produce better decisions and quicker decisions. Um, so, yeah, I'm fairly excited about it. Uh, it it's working really well. I, I like to think I know my way around this new program pretty well, and so I'm I'm instituting it fully 100%. Um, what's kind of interesting is, is that, and this has been in place for a while, uh, Gerald, but uh, the VA has implemented uh, two uh, what they call DROCs throughout the country. They're called Decision Review Operation Centers. One is in Seattle, Washington. The other one is in St. Petersburg, Florida. And, and, and these regional offices are tasked are tasked with, with one thing, and, and that's mainly for their decision review officers to hear what's called the higher-level review appeals under this Appeals Modernization Act. And, uh, you know, for the most part, 
they've been turning around these uh, higher level review appeals pretty quickly and and fairly accurately too. I'm, I'm pleasantly surprised with some of the uh, decisions we're getting. Now, of course, that's uh, you know you're, you're always going to get some decisions where you still kind of rub your temples and shake your head. And and uh, uh, what's nice though is is for myself anyway, I, I I've uh, been able to uh, uh, bridge the gap with some important heavy hitters with each D Rock. Uh, in Seattle and St. Petersburg to call them and specifically bring up uh, a case that I think merits a special attention. So so what's kind of nice, guys, is, is when I see a decision that comes out where they really drop the ball, I approach these uh, D-Rocks respectfully, of course, and professionally, and, and, and every time they say, well, we'll take another look at the case without having to go through the fanfare of, of additional appeals. And, and so it I like the the ability for for that to happen where we can get those decisions turned around uh, just based on another review. So uh, what's nice about the VA today is it, it, there's a lot of flexibility, uh, and plus the institution of these uh, DROCs in Seattle and St. Petersburg, uh, again, decision review officers that only hear higher-level review appeals under the Appeals Modernization Act. Uh, that That seems to be working out really well which continues to, to not work real well because I don't want to paint the VA with, with pretty colors, of course, but uh, what continues to not work really well is the appeals prior to the higher-level review called supplemental-level reviews or supplemental lane reviews. They can also be called, and those are the decisions by, by rating specialists, and, and uh, folks, they need a lot of work on those supplemental lane reviews. Uh, and, of course, when those fall through, then we appeal uh, to the higher level review, and as I mentioned, the, the DROCs handle those, and they they turn them around fairly quickly. But but uh, you know we wouldn't even have to get to the higher level review if they make the right decision under the, uh, the supplemental level review. So it, it gets pretty complicated. And I, you know when I when I when I hear myself talk about it, I, I've been doing this about 30 years, so it kind of rolls off my tongue. But I certainly wouldn't expect all veterans to understand all these terms and acronyms and twists and turns, but uh, uh, I think it's really important that you, you always try to get someone involved that knows uh, the facts about the Appeals Modernization Act and, and bring up the terms higher level review, supplemental or in review, DROCs, uh, things of that sort. And if your advocate looks like a deer in the headlights, then you probably want to find a different advocate because that, that's the way of the world with the VA now. You've you got to be up to date on those and savvy with those. So. Well, absolutely. You know, if they would ever get this backlog under control, which I don't know how long it's going to take them, but uh, I would like to see them assign a counselor, if you would, uh, to a veteran when he, he files a claim, he, him or her. Uh, when they file a claim... Uh, someone that they they can have uh, contact with. I know it. Uh, the VA might look at that and say, "Well, that's just not cost effective." But if you look at the overall long run, long term, I believe it would save the VA an awful lot of money. Anytime you keep. Uh, running these claims back and forth from one appeal, uh, remand to remand to remand, that's got to cost the VA a bunch of money. Now, maybe they have the money to afford, but it seems to me it would be cheaper in the long run to assign a veteran a counselor uh, that might have help guide them. Uh, usually, uh, a lot of problems with these claims has its... Uh, uh, the problems are generated in the beginning of mm -hmm. the claim. It's just not properly filed, and the veteran don't know any better. Right, right. And, yeah, and, and that's a good point, Gerald, and, and I think the VA needs to get better at that. I, I, I do know that Every VA regional office in the country has what's called VSRs, Veteran Service Representative. So, so if you're if you're a veteran and, and you walk into a VA regional office, 
and, and you say you want to file a claim, uh, you may be waiting a while, but, but uh, you will be assigned a veterans, veteran service representative. Uh, and so, Gerald, what they're tasked to do is to try to, for lack of a better way to say it, try to help them understand and guide them through types of claims and appeals that can be filed. Now, at the end of the day, if a veteran wants to file a specific disability claim, regardless of what the veteran service representative says, that VSR has to file the claim. So, um, yeah. so that, that, that's an interesting point because a lot of times veterans will file claims that, that really do not have any merit, but these VSRs are obligated to take the claims anyway. But on the other hand, these VSRs, uh, they are knowledgeable enough to, to be able to explain to the veterans uh, what they what they are more likely to be successful with on certain claims and what they're not more likely successful to win. Uh, uh, so, so, so they do have them in place, Gerald, but, but that, that would be, uh, uh, I know that I, I've had veterans in the past that would go to the VA regional office for uh, assistance and, and they sit there in the waiting room for, for hours and, and it just doesn't work well, work very well. So I think the number of VSRs to, to, to hire would be important. Um, I, to be honest with you, Gerald, I, I, I try to uh, explain to my clients, if you're looking to file a brand new claim, um, you, you need some guidance. And, and certainly a VSR at the VA regional office is better than nothing, but, but at the end of the day, uh, they're the ones you're trying to get benefits from. And so does it really make sense to have them advocating for you or, or taking the claim? I, I don't believe so. I, I think that that certainly when, when, when veterans are looking filing claims, they don't have an agent such as myself or an attorney, uh, uh, you'll seek out your county veteran service officer. Almost every state in the country has county veteran service officers or state service officers. Uh, every VA regional office has national service officers like the DAV, the VFW, the American Legion, for example. And, and even the, the posts that you belong to, the Legion post, the VFW post, they all have service officers there. So, so you know, don't, don't go it alone. Uh, try to get someone on your behalf. And, and if you're not interested in having an advocate, uh, the website www.ebenefits.com uh, has uh, online filing of claims. Now, I, I bring that up simply to make sure that veterans are aware there is a tool to to file the claims on your own if you want to. I don't recommend it. Uh, it, it it's a bureaucratic uh, system that's oftentimes set up against you. Uh, you really need someone that knows what they're doing, and, and so I would say seek out a professional to, to help you initiate claims, especially if you're contemplating filing any appeals. That's true, uh, what you said here, John. Uh, you have to know the proper protocol when you're and and what to expect and mm -hmm. and and veteran filing the claim the first go around uh you know if if you have a service officer such as I had, he said if you got a hangnail, put it down you know <laughs> stuff yeah. idiot yeah. stuff and yeah. uh, consequently. Uh, it cost you because this, he didn't pull out the 38 CFR and point down to there uh, things that would be, could be service connected if if you met this criteria. Uh, he didn't do that. You know, I'm just going on mm -hmm. his word, and I'm sure a lot of other veterans fell into that same trap and. Consequently, we're sitting here with how how much of a backlog. It's it's uh, irresponsible, actually. It it's it's crazy. It shouldn't be this way. The uh, the backlog is is uh, is is not insurmountable. I, I don't think uh, whether it gets down to to reasonable levels in our lifetime, we'll see. Uh, but, but certainly what we're looking at is a new appeals modernization program that, you know, call me naive, but uh, folks have been doing this 30 years. 
Um, I've yet to see a more innovative uh, earth-shaking program within the VA system. And, and they've tried to reinvent the wheel a number of times over the years, but um, I'm liking this so far. But, but it's still fairly new. And, and I think you can only really judge it probably at least five or six, seven years out and, and find out where the appeals backlog is. Um, my main concern has always been the same, that, that when you appeal a new decision, you've got three options, a supplemental lane review, which I mentioned earlier, and a higher level review, which I also mentioned, but you can also go right to the Board of Veterans Appeals as well. My, my concern is, is that uh, I'm an advocate for the supplemental lane review, but, but the decisions coming out of that review are, are, are just terrible. I mean, the, whoever's rating these, these rating specialists, not decision review officers, but, but uh, a, a lower uh, GS grade called rating veteran specialists, but, but they're not making decisions that are appropriate. They're missing evidence. They're not conducting the, the appropriate compensation exams. They're not uh, reviewing the exams, the compensation exams properly. Uh, so, so there's a lot of errors that, that's requiring us as attorneys and advocates and, and VSOs to appeal to the higher level review. It, my concern is, is that supplemental lane review is so fraught with errors that uh, you're going to overload the higher level review. So I think through continued training and education and oversight, uh, by coaches within the VA on the on the initial level, the supplemental lane review of the appeals process is really the key. Then we take the burden off the eventual higher level review and the eventual Board of Veterans Appeals uh, review as well. Um, so, yeah, it's it's but interesting you, how it's shaken out here. Uh, uh, you more or less recommend the higher level uh, review. Uh, well, I, what you have to do is, is when you get a decision, uh, yeah. if you have new and, rele new and relevant evidence, they used to call it new and material evidence, and they changed that term to new and relevant evidence. New evidence uh -huh. meaning evidence that's never been seen before and relevant evidence that is germane to the actual disability. And so when you appeal into the supplemental lane review, you have to have new and relevant evidence for the VA to review, something they've never seen before. Um, if you don't have new and relevant evidence, you have two options, really. Either the higher level review, uh, where a decision review officer looks at the claim, uh, can't look at any brand new uh, evidence, can only look at what's in the file at the time, or you can go right to the Board of Veterans' Appeals uh, and, and then they would make a decision based on the evidence of record. Now, if you go to the Board of Veterans' Appeals, you still have a window to submit new and relevant evidence, but you're, take, you're, you're waiting longer with the Board of Veterans' Appeals. Um, under either one of these decisions, when, when you file a supplemental lane review or a higher-level review or, or a Board of Veterans' Appeals review, uh, if it's negative, uh, or it isn't satisfactory to the claimant, uh, that starts a brand new one-year window to, to file an additional appeal into one of the other avenues. Uh, and, and thereby, you're still protecting your original data claim, uh, which is kind of nice, because under the old legacy appeals process, uh, you filed a notice of disagreement, you got a statement of case, you filed to the Board of Veterans' Appeals, and if the Board of Veterans' Appeals said no, your only option was to, to the Court of Veterans' Appeals. And, and so it was very limited on, on, on what you could do under the legacy, the old legacy appeals process. But under this new Appeals Management Act, uh, you have a lot more options, a lot more avenues, and, and you can twist and turn into the, uh, these avenues as you go. In fact, you can switch in and out. Um, I've had cases where, for example, I get a decision, and the client tells me, well, I can't get any new and relevant evidence. But I do feel like we have a good case. We can get a decision review officer to look at it, so I appeal to the higher-level review. Months later, the veteran comes to me and says, oh, I've got some really good new and relevant evidence. I've got a good nexus letter from my doctor. I review it, and I say, yeah, that's a good letter. So what we do is we switch from the higher-level review to the supplemental lane review. So you can switch back and forth which is another nice little little nugget with the Appeals Modernization Act. Mm. 
Now that's 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 good right there. But uh, now, what if you run across something within your claims folder? And I'm a firm believer everyone should be up to date, as close to real time as they can with their claims folders. And and you run across something there that you pointed out before, but they keep uh, the BA keeps. Uh, uh, does not ever seem to recognize it. Can you introduce that as as new evidence? Well, you, you've got a couple things there. Uh, one thing about this new Appeals Modernization Act is you get a lot of swings at the plate. So if, for instance, you've identified evidence in the VA claims file and you bring that up by a supplemental lane review or higher level review, and they still turn their nose at it, uh, you have the option to go to the Board of Veterans' Appeals. And, and I'm telling you, they're sharp at the Board of Veterans' Appeals, in my opinion. Ninety-nine times out of 100, if you bring up a legitimate issue that's in the VA claims file that's been overlooked, that, that's new and relevant to, to, to the success, success of the claim, the Board of Veterans' Appeals is going to catch it. But, but, Gerald, what I do is... is you know, if we if we go that route, the Board of Veterans Appeals and and keep banging our head against the wall under these higher level reviews and supplemental lane reviews, uh, you know, as I pointed out earlier, if if you have uh, a situation like that where it, it's it's tantamount almost to a clear and unmistakable error, that's the last thing the VA wants to do is have to dive into a queue and grant it, and that doesn't look good on their part. So a lot of times, what I do. And some regional offices are better than others, but a lot of times what I'll do is I'll contact the director and the assistant director or the veteran service center manager, and I just approach them in an email and say, you know, this is my name, this is my client's uh, name, his last four of a social security number, claim number, um, this is what we've got. I'm hoping you can take a you know, special look at this so we don't have to file it to the Board of Veterans Appeals. And, and Gerald, you can go into detail of, of what you have there. And, and a lot of times, if you've got a legitimate gripe, uh, what I've seen is, is the regional offices will turn it around right there. Because like I said, it, not everything has to follow the protocol that, that's set up with the appeals management process. It's, you know, if you can identify something that, that allows a leadership team at the regional office to correct their error before it becomes a glaring error, uh, that the Board of Veterans Appeals slaps their hand on, they're all for that. In fact, they, they appreciate it. They, they've thanked me before. I would think they would appreciate it. And and the fact that they uh, jump on it and uh, uh, correct the issue is, is really important. Uh, I know I went through that with my hearing on my tendonitis. Remember, they gave me a zero rating, and I cued them on it, and they come mm -hmm. back uh, and awarded it. But uh, And it was no hassle. <laughs> yep, yep, that's, that's something we worked on. Um, you know, perfect example, I, I had a case the other day. Uh, adjudicated out of the D-Rock in St. Petersburg uh, for this 75-year-old uh, veteran um, out of California. And, and just to make his ends meet, um, he was he was chauffeuring, a, a, he was at a car dealership, and basically he'd chauffeur people back and forth to their home in the car dealership and while their cars were getting worked on. And, and I mean, this guy had almost every disease under the sun. I mean, he was severely disabled, but he really had to work uh, just to make ends meet. Um, make a long story short, got him rated. Uh, he went up from 60% up to 100%, so that's great. He's 100% permanent total. Now, keeping in mind, the, the appeal effective date prosecuted under appeal goes back to 2011. Um, so, so the adjudicator decided, okay, we're going to rate this guy 100%, but we're going to make it effective the date of his last compensation exam when they claim it's factually ascertainable that he met the 100%. Now, I could have filed what's called a higher-level review or a Board of Veterans Appeals review and, 
wrote out this long dissertation of how that was incorrect and, and that there was evidence in the VA claims file that more than substantiated that the effective date should have went back to 2011. Um, but I was able to call the, uh, the director and the assistant director at this particular VA regional office, and I laid it out there, and they fixed it. They turned it around. Uh, they cut this guy a check for about $93,000. He got it the other day. He was practically in tears, and, you know, he's going he's gonna to fully retire. And so the point I'm trying to make is, is that it, sometimes it can be fixable right off the bat like that rather than having to go through a long mitigated appeals process. Well, it's always nice uh, that, you know, that can be done. And there's, there, I'm sure there's numerous uh, uh, regional offices that you that will work with you like that once they know you uh, and, and know that when you say something, that's the way it is. Uh, and, of course, I'm, we all know there's some out there that... Uh, not so uh, friendly to work with, but uh, if if you got someone like that, it, it would certainly look at all the time it saves and the heartache yeah. of the veteran, you know, when he knows he's right, and you know he's right, and, and you can get it done with a phone call or a quick email or a, a letter. Uh, it's better to do it that way, and it cuts down on the backlog, too. <laughs> Every time you can do that, that's cutting back on the backlog. I, I think that's uh, um, what I've always tried to do throughout my career is is walk softly but carry a big stick. I'm not I'm not afraid to use that stick. I mean, I, I'll beat them over the head if I have to, but, but you know, you, you can – Get a lot more attention if if, if you approach it in a, in a realistic, professional, respectful manner with the VA regional office. And it's right, Gerald. In any profession, you you gain that reputation with these regional offices, and your name's out there. They know that if Bob Smith or Joe Clark or John Dorley, uh, you know, if they have a gripe, then it's probably something you want to pay attention to, as compared to maybe anyone that. That, that, that complains about every single decision that's made, then they, maybe they don't take it as seriously. So I like to think that the regional offices that I contact, uh, uh, when, I, when I contact them, they, they have a pretty good idea that I probably have a pretty good point. And, and you know, one thing, guys, and I brought this up on shows before, is that one thing that, well, what I found in the military, I was in the Army from 83 to 86, um, uh, one thing I learned is is the chain of command in the military. They always tell you to use your chain of command. Don't don't jump the chain of command. If you have a problem, talk to your sergeant. If that doesn't work, you talk to uh, the platoon sergeant. If that doesn't work, you talk to the CO. You talk to the first sergeant. Whatever you need to do. Um, and and I still incorporate that. So so when I contact these VA regional offices, for the most part, the first people I, I contact is the the attorney agent fee coordinators. If they don't reply properly, then I contact the veteran service center manager, and if that doesn't work, then you talk to the assistant director, and if that doesn't work, you go to the director, and if that doesn't work, you contact the undersecretary, and if that doesn't work, you talk to the secretary, and, and if that doesn't work, then uh, you at least hint that you'll be calling the Trump hotline. I don't know how effective that's been. It hasn't been real effective, uh, and that usually gets their attention. And at the end of the day, you get a congressman or senator involved. Um, now, some people think you should not even worry about the chain of command and go right to that congressman or senator right off the bat. Uh, I'm not of that theory. I, I like the chain of command because you usually can get things done uh, using it. And, and I know the people in that higher level of chain of command, they appreciate the fact that they don't have a congressman or senator banging down their door every single time. I mean, they've even told me, thank you for allowing us to fix this before you get set or so-and-so involved. And, and that's really what it comes down to, getting a decision in the most expedient way and, and the most practical way without burning your bridges. Well, that's true, and that's good advice. Uh, I think too many times uh, people try to jump over the lower echelon and go straight to the top and and uh, 
I believe that's problematic uh, because then you got everybody underneath, underneath them all yeah. upset and, and uh, they're putting whiskey in their coffee or whatever they're doing and uh, your name comes across their desk, uh, uh, they're stabbing it with ink pens or something. <laughs> And, and you know, Gerald, what I, what I what I like to do, and, and I've mentioned this before, I have access to uh, what's called VBMS, Infections Benefits Management System, for all my clients, and I'm actually able to go into each file and look at the notes that uh, these rating specialists are making. The people that have their hands in the file, I can identify their names, and and a lot of times before I even get their supervisors involved, I just shoot them a quick email and say, hey, you know, I. I was looking at the notes that you're making on this file, and I'm not quite sure you're, you're going the right direction here, and this is why I think so. Then I line item by line item, and, and uh, um, I know that they appreciate me coming to them first rather than their supervisor because I know for my part, when I was cutting my teeth on uh, on this type of vocation, I made some mistakes, and 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 uh, a lot of times I, I was approached directly from my peers and say, you know, John, this is what you're doing here. You might want to try to do it a different way. And and my supervisor never got involved. Maybe he or she should have. I don't know. But I know that I appreciated the opportunity to try to fix it myself, keep my reputation intact without taking a, a nick by my uh, supervisor. So I guess the point I'm making is that um, I, I I give these VA representatives every opportunity to try to fix it. And sometimes I'm wrong, too. I, mean, I, 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 I make mistakes. Sometimes I'm, I'm in error. And some, you know, sometimes they point out and say, well, John, this is the way we did it like this. Uh, and I look at it and I'm like, yeah, I guess that is the right way to do it. So, you know, I, I'm not trying to say that I know everything about everything. Uh, you know, we all learn in this program, this process, and as we go, uh, we, we advocates, I believe, we try to work with the VA, not so much against the VA, but we try to work with the VA to achieve the common goal, and that's to get the veterans rated uh, at, at the uh, the appropriate compensable level. Well, I believe that the VA is still in the evolution process. Uh, it hadn't it hadn't quite got to where it wants to go. I believe uh, you are right. It is moving in a better direction than what it was. Uh, and and ultimately, uh, let's keep our fingers crossed that uh, this is going to be beneficial for all the veterans. And, and uh, at some point in time... <laughs> may not be in our lifetime, like you said, uh, this backlog is going, going to uh, somehow get whittled down to where it's more manageable. Right now, I still feel it's out of control, but it's uh, been out of control for such a length of time that it's hard to get, get wrapped around it and, and get it under control. Yeah, I've always said when I started in this job in 1992, um, that, was, that has always been the number one uh, issue with with the Veterans Administration is the backlog. And, and they've been fighting it for, for years on, on trying to figure out different ways to, to try to lower it. Um, I, I've said it before and I'll say it again. It's about manpower and education. Um, and when you have a situation where you add more people to the VA regional offices, the Department of Veterans Affairs, and you provide more education, that means hiring more people, uh, educating them more, and it costs money to do that. And and so then we get to the idea of uh, the budget. Uh, what does Congress say that the Department of Veterans Affairs needs to, to operate properly? So you spread that dollar as far as you can. Um, citizens of this country, they, they want action, but they don't want their taxes to go up. Well, oh, I don't think it, sure. can, you know, it, just, it doesn't work both ways. You know, I have always said, in my opinion, education, educating these veterans, raiders, specialists, 
the coaches, educating the coaches, the decision review officers, and, and making sure they know that 38 CFR, the M21 manual at the back of our hand, so that they're not making the mistakes that they are making, which is going to force me and other VSOs to file appeals. Uh, didn't I add some more judges? Uh, My, yeah, at the Board of Veterans Appeals, I, I did read an article a while back that they did add some more uh, uh, judges to the uh, claims process. So that that's helpful. Um, and and I agree that they need to better educate or or. Uh, up their education or something they they need to uh it seems as though a lot of times when these service officers or not service officers these uh, rating officers read your claim they don't take in consideration the claim as a whole uh, they bit and piece the thing. And uh, I believe that's a terrible mistake they're making, and that's adding to the uh, the backlog back there because the claim's going to end up being appealed. If you're doing a claim, I think every time a claim gets appealed, that should be a hickey on the radar. Yeah, and I think it's a lot of it's about oversight too. So, so I think when you have a system where uh, uh, RVSR is making a decision, promulgating a rating decision, and 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 promulgating the award letter before it even gets to that award letter, um, a coach, uh, a decision review officer, somebody should be uh, reviewing that rating decision that the rating specialist makes. Uh, and I think they do. I, I, I believe that's part of the process. But I, but I wonder how much time they have in the day to do that because what I'm seeing, it, it appears, is just that these coaches that are reviewing quality review on some of these rating decisions are just rubber stamping it, whether they're doing it because they don't care, or whether they're doing it because they don't have enough time in the day, or whether they're doing it just because they lack the understanding and knowledge to, to accurately uh, uh, pick apart a rating decision. So, so I think oversight of these decisions, just to make sure all the T's are crossed and the I's are dotted, is important. And I know the V is doing that, but it, it, I just think they need to do better at that uh, before the actual rating decision is promulgated with an award letter uh, and then goes out the door. Um, I've seen some wonderful rating decisions come out, good awards, but I've seen some terrible ones that, that if they were just looked at closer, by an oversight review, a quality review specialist, we could save ourselves a lot of time. So I, I'm still of the opinion. I said this years ago. It's all about training and education, and and and, and hiring more uh, VA employees to to afford people the time to 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 go through these rating ratings on a quality review level and, and make sure that they're done correctly. Well, it's quality control. Uh, they're lacking and. And that's gotten the VA into a lot of trouble, I feel. Uh, and it's helped uh, to generate an excessive amount of appeals. Um, and I don't know what they're going to do about their quality control. They're, they've totally... Uh, are inadequate. I mean, you know, you cannot run any factory or anything. And the BA is just a factory, only they're pushing paper through there. Mm -hmm. And and uh, you can, your factory will fall apart without quality control. <laughs> Basically, Gerald, quality control within the VA. Uh, I guess they have uh, their own system designed for quality control. I guess they check claim results and stuff like that. But I was trained by underwriters' laboratories back in the 90s, and I was a certified quality quality control auditor. I could go to each different company and do audits, you know, get the flow charts and 
start from point A to end up at point Z, and we could find a lot of problems. I'd love to get myself inside a regional office and do the same thing, so never let me in. Right. <laughs> well, yeah. they're, they're and, and yeah. 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 A lot of it's a common sense right. approach, too. Mm-hmm. Um, well, quality control is common sense, you know. It is but, but I think well, it's, it's, it, it's, it's, I think it's a total effort on everyone's part too, and and uh, I'm not picking on <clears throat> on veterans by any means, but um, some of these claims, these appeals that I take over when I dive right into it, that's been going on for a while. Um, I, I'm just like, wow. I mean, I, I, it was just not approached in the right way, and it, it's not a reflection on on the veterans really because. We don't know any better. You don't know what you don't know. You do your best. Right. You put the claims forward, but, but uh, you just wish they would have had someone, a professional organization at least, to be able to steer them in the right direction from the beginning. Right. Um, but I, I, you know, I look at some of these appeals, and and uh, they're fun to untangle. Um, yeah. You know, and, I, and, and I speak directly to the veterans and say, you know, this is what we got. This is what we need to do. This is what we need to change. This is what we need to keep the same. And and if you let me do this, you're going to have your best chance at winning these claims. And they follow my lead. And and uh, I've untangled some messes. And but but I think a lot of it what we talked about earlier today in the show is 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 starting out, you know, correctly in the first place, so it doesn't. Uh, turn into just a big ball of confusion down the road. Um, so that 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 that's that's kind of my two cents worth. I, I put a lot of the blame on the VA, but but you know veterans can help themselves by initiating the right claims in the first place and developing them properly. Uh, I, again, I never advocate doing it on your own. As sharp as as some of these veterans are, and there are some sharp veterans out there. Um, at, at least involve an advocate. Uh, some someone such as myself to just at least bounce some questions off. I, I've had clients call me and say, "John, I've got a pretty good handle on this. I, I feel comfortable that I'm doing everything that can be done. I'm going to run with this on my own." And I say, "Okay, uh, but John, I have some questions. Can I run by?" And I'm like, "Yeah, go ahead and ask. You know, ask the questions." And and I and I answer the questions and I steer them in the right direction. And so I'm thinking to myself, at least if they're going to do it on their own. Uh, they're, they're, they're going to be able to, to get the answers that they need to, to do that on their own. Uh, but in the back of my mind, I'm like, um, I'll probably be talking to this veteran in about a year from now because something's going to go wrong and I'll have to untangle it. But, but that's, that's fine. I mean, I, I you know, um, that, that's, that's part of the profession and, and, and I enjoy doing that, trying to help. You know, it all boils down to the Title 38 CFR Code of Federal Regulations and mm-hmm. the VA's interpretation of those records in any in each individual circumstance. How does this, you know, how does this reference apply to this veteran? And you know, some of these guys, they uh, when they interpret, they uh, they do a pretty wild interpretation, you know, which is basically totally against what the regulation says. So <clears throat> that happens yeah. too a lot. So if you, you can. That's why you need right, to get agent um, attorney to help. Yeah. I, I think that's uh, uh, a good working knowledge of the of the CFR, very uh, CFR and M21 manual. But that's half the battle. If, if you can, you don't have to know every single word and every single paragraph. But but you know, have a good working knowledge of those manuals, and and I think you'll have a pretty good chance of being successful. Like you said, John, when you apply that to your specific case, yeah, it's got to be very specific to your situation. Application is nine-tenths of the rule. <laughs> That's a fact. You know. Yeah. I mean, it's not rocket science. It's not rocket science. I mean, once you understand it, you know, I mean, once you gain an understanding of the knowledge, you know, minus any changes, you, you know, you – the law really hasn't changed. Now, the way that they enforce and interpret the law has changed a lot with, uh, you know, a lot of subtle minor changes. So, you know, things are, <laughs> things are, hopefully they're getting better, you know. I mean, it looks like, uh, you know, on the horizon it could be getting better. But, I mean, you know, 
only thing will tell is time and and results. That's it. That, that's how I feel. Um, you know, with this overhaul, the appeals program, um, I like it so far, but but uh, uh, you know, we don't want to be complacent. We want to continue to hold the VAC to the fire and and uh, make sure that they understand exactly what what's going on on in the trenches there. And um, you know, I. I used to pick on, there are a number of VA regional offices that I work with. I think I've worked with almost every one of them, and I have my favorites, and I always like to give kudos out to VA regional offices. St. Paul is my favorite, of course, because I work out here, and uh, I still have contacts out there, and I've got a pretty good relationship with the Waco, Texas VA regional office. I, I think those are a couple really good regional offices. And I used to pick on I used to pick on St. Petersburg quite a bit, and I still think they've got a lot long way to go but 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 uh, I think they're they're doing real well. Um uh, used to pick on Winston Salem and I still do. I think they they've got some work to go. But my number one enemy via regional office, the Baltimore, Maryland via is regional the, office. Is hey, Baltimore. the most difficult Baltimore, get your stuff together because that is that's uh yeah and, and they yeah, were good quite a while ago. Um, being uh, a regional mm-hmm. office that was in severe disrepair, uh, and and they uh, had gotten some accolades for coming back from that. But as far as I'm concerned, you know, Baltimore, if you're out there listening, call me. I got some clients you're ignoring me on. Don't make me go to President Trump on this one. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, I have to say that uh, I've got a different. Uh, we have a different idea of this hotline. The hotline is when it first came out was very effective, but veterans have to realize when you call the hotline, you're contacting the White House hotline. But when you land at the other end of the line, it's nowhere near the stinking White House. It's an office in West Virginia staffed by VA employees. Yep. Yep. So, so that's why I go to the undersecretary. Uh, you know, I guess yes. I was just using that as a metaphor to go to the President Trump, but <laughs> but but no, I I'm not actually doing that. I I don't think I've ever actually called the Trump hotline, but but uh, the Undersecretary. I mean, there was a day when you would get immediate action with the email from the Undersecretary and the Secretary, but but that's starting to fall on deaf ears too. And 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 I don't think it's specifically with me, but I've heard other advocates say the same thing that the uh, uh, the office of the uh, Undersecretary. Uh, uh, we're not getting a lot of a lot of uh, help from them, and in two three years ago, we we get some pretty good help from them. So, unfortunately, if it uh, gets to the point where where they're not helping, we're going to have to get congressmen and senators involved. And so, um, I don't like to, but but, but that's that's kind of what it's gotten to. They, so, they kind of like you to get them involved because they've got the you know the, the attorneys and the agents got your own buzzman the VA, and the senators they've got their own buzzman too at the VA. And uh, so they do, you know, they put their request in for information and they write them a, a dog-eat-dog letter and saying this is what we're doing, this is what, you know, this is that, that, and that. And they give their side of the story to the congressman. He calls you back giving you, giving you their side of the story and said, hey, things are going to be okay. I've never actually seen a congressman or a senator want to get directly involved in the claim and fix the problem. But what I what I like about it, John, and I – I don't expect any senator's aid or congressional aid to be able to uh, roll up their sleeves and dig into the merits of the claim and argue on on our behalf or anything like that. The reason I sometimes go that route is just the fact that a United States senator or United States congressman is involved. That gets their attention. Mm -hmm. Now, now granted, they'll, they'll send a flyer into the VA and say, Joe Veteran, claim pending for two and a half years for a thoracic lumbar spine degenerative disc disease or what have you, what's the status? And, of course, they come back and say, uh, NOD filed on such and such date, statement of case issued on such and such date, uh, uh, substantive appeal has been filed, we're waiting to certify to the Board of Veterans' Appeals. Uh, and, and you get a form letter like that. And, and it really doesn't tell us anything we don't already know. But nine times out of ten, when a politician gets involved, things move. Things move in a positive direction. So I really use the politicians as a tool simply to get the VA's attention. That's all I'm looking for. I don't expect those politicians to change the world 
with, with the specifics of the claims. That's that's my job. Uh, but uh, uh, what I found is, is is they get calls from politicians. Uh, it gets attention. It just does. Yeah, if you have a politician on one of the committees, you're in better shape because he can uh, he can look at it. He can call them on the carpet, have them come in and explain to the Congress why they screwed your claim up. There you go. They yeah. don't like to do that. Yeah, but there's very few people. You have to you know you have to have somebody on the committee itself, or have your congressman that's real close. You know, maybe with them and get something like that to hook up. But you know, right now there's so much disarray and turmoil in that city that I doubt anything. <laughs> I don't believe it's they're rare. too concerned about a claim some months ago. No, the, uh, <laughs> right now the VA claims at least are no worries. And it, and it's rare that I need to get a politician involved. And a lot of times before I even get one involved, which is rare, just dropping the name that we're planning on doing that gets their attention. Um, <laughs> I got a couple. It shouldn't have. <laughs> I got a couple of. It shouldn't have to get that. to that point. If they want to get their C file or anything to their claim, they go straight to the coast and they don't even have to be able to. <laughs> <laughs> well, mm. I got a lot of I got a lot of clients that that um, clients that have appeals pending that are still hung up on the idea mm. that they can't move unless they have a copy of their VA claims file. It, it, you know, just get an advocate such as myself or someone else that has access to VBMS, the Veterans Benefits Management System. Retain me or retain that attorney or agent, and they can look right into the VA claims file. Um, oh, that's, you know, that's critical. That's so important. And, and as close to real time as you can get, the better off you are. Oh, yeah. There's it. There's veterans claimed attorneys out there, John. Believe me or not, Gerald knows this. Don't have to back me up. They don't have VBMS. Of course, they've got access to it, but I don't know why they don't do it. It's terrible. I've, I, I've had yeah, I mean, I've had people come to me that were entertaining the idea of having an attorney help them, and 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 they tell me, well, my attorney said that they put in a request for the claims file, and that it'll take eight to nine months to get. Well, that that that's true. Um, Typically, a, a FOIA request for your VA claims file through their records management center can take eight to nine months to get, but who, who mm-hmm. wants to wait that long? It, it, it's not that hard to get access to the Veterans <clears throat> Benefits Management System. You, you, oh. For attorneys and a, attorneys and agents out there, you can get it. You, you just mm-hmm. have to contact the local VA regional office. They do a background check. They take your fingerprints. You go down there. You answer some questions. It's a process. It's about a 30, 60-day process at the most, but I, I, I've got my own, what they call a CAG card. I, I, I plug it right into my personal computer. I've got a federal ID card. I, I plug it in there. Yeah. I go through the process. I, it, it's a relatively good system. I mean, it, it rarely is down, but I, you just I can get right us, into my you just told us. You just told us why. They have to go through the background check. I wonder how many attorneys. I wonder how many attorneys can pass a background check. <laughs> <laughs> oh my! Yeah, that's true. Maybe. Hey, maybe that's why they don't have VBMS. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> but you know, uh, and in defense, in defense of a lot of uh, VSOs like the, the National Service Officers. Uh, I know the county veteran service officers in the state of Minnesota have access to VBMS. So, so when a veteran's mm-hmm. out there contemplating getting an advocate that isn't interested in an attorney or an agent such as myself, uh, then then you know there are county veteran service officers that do have access to VBMS, and and and, and I will you know give a shout out to my former colleagues here in Minnesota. The county veteran service officers are top notch. I mean they they all have access to VBMS. And, and they do uh, uh, utilize that. Um, I've still got some yeah. good friends that, that uh, are still in the field here. So I, I don't have anything bad to say about the county veteran service officers. I used to be one. Mm-hmm. So, but, right. uh, yeah, I mean, uh, but, but on the other hand, uh, I've talked to veterans from all over the country, and I think it's with any profession, whether you're a mechanic or, uh, you know, whatever you are, uh, there's going to be good ones and bad ones. So that, that, that's just right. the way it is. 
I guess I'm going to well, be the best disabled vet I can be. I know that. You know, I'm going to be the best disabled vet I can be. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> Have you ever had a client send a letter to the regional office and tell us how stupid they are? Uh, it never it never goes over real well. Um, I think that I, <laughs> I have had clients uh, get a little bit uh, elaborate with some of their correspondence to the VA, and 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 for the most part, the VA is going to reply in in the appropriate professional manner. And 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 uh, but at the end of the day, these VA employees are still human beings. And, and I'm not saying kiss their hind end, but don't you know? Don't burn your bridge either, because yeah. yeah. they they will bury your claim. <laughs> they, they, you know, yeah. they will. They're like, they will, uh, uh, they will they're like they're like recent activities from the veal. You know the veal, don't you, John? That's one of your yeah. favorite regional offices too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's not coop. Mm-hmm. It's not coop the veal either. Nope. Nope. <laughs> I like to think in 30 years, almost 30 years doing this, I've seen almost everything. Um, so, um, and I've been part of a lot of different things too. So it's it's it's, it's interesting. Yeah. That's for sure. Sure. Yeah. But uh, if there's anybody out there listening that uh, wants to give me a a ring, uh, Gerald, is it okay if I throw out my uh, name? Oh, you bet. Yes. Number yes. And, yeah. Um, All right. Minnesota area code, Minneapolis St. Paul, go Vikings, uh, 651-303-3062. That's 651-303-3062. Give me a call. Uh, if you want to email me, which is often the best route, uh, go ahead and email me at benefitsagent. Uh, that's B-E-N-E-F-I-T-S, agent, A-G-E-N-T, at Comcast. Dot net benefits agent at Comcast dot net. Well, I tell you what, this has been a real informative uh, show. Even though we had on some older, you know, we've had shows on this new uh, claims uh, procedure they're trying, and like I said, I. And I'm sure you guys do too. We got our fingers crossed, hoping it'll work out. And uh, if it does, it, it'll benefit all the veterans that file claims. And uh, we want to do our part to see to it that it does become a success. Everything we can possibly do to help, we want to do it. And, so we'll give information, any new information we can come up with. You might think this is a bit repetitious, but we're trying to drill it into everybody's head that this may not be a bad bad idea for the VA to be doing this, and, and let's try to capitalize on it. Then we can take advantage of it and... Uh, Help prove the system up all the better. Yep, I agree. Gerald, remember, and for what it's the go ahead, John. Go ahead, John. Yeah, for what it's worth, what, when they rolled out the the ramp program, the rapid fields modernization program in November of 2017, which is now it evolved into the full blown appeals modernization act. Um, I again, I've been doing this a while, and I. I been on board with this from the very beginning, um, and, and it's yeah. paid off. And I think it's the way of the future. Um, I think it's working so far, um, and I think we need to adapt to it because it's not going away. Well, we'll do our part to help help uh, get the information out there so veterans can better utilize it and understand it. Yep. John, I think we, your website does a great job with that, too, www.hadit.com. If you're not familiar with that, uh, Google that. It's a great website for, for veterans who are looking for uh, advice, information, uh, different topics, and 
and, and a lot of uh, uh, users uh, post different uh, questions and answers that are beneficial as well. Absolutely. Uh, com is the place to go if you're looking for information on different uh, topics. Mm-hmm. And with that, uh, we're out of time, John. We appreciate you coming on. By All golly, right. you always give us a wealth of information. And, and this is kind of a new twist uh, to, to this uh, program. So uh, let's hope we don't uh, bore people too much. I know if I was working on the claim right now, uh, I'd certainly be interested in it. Uh, looking, you know, getting as much data as possible. I appreciate it, guys. Uh, Till next time, um, we will keep working and uh, go from there. Okay. Thanks a lot, All right. John. All right. Good night, guys. Take care. Good night. You've been listening to the Hadit.com Blog Talk Radio Show, sponsored by Hadit.com. All opinions expressed here are the opinions of the individuals appearing on the show and are not the opinions of Hadit.com or Blog Talk Radio. Tune in next time for another edition of Hadit.com Blog Talk Radio and the Ask Bastard Show.